Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. The jobs numbers are out, and it does look like employers took a pause in the month of April. 160,000 jobs total created 171,000 in the private sector. Manufacturing payrolls up by 4,000. The unemployment rate holds at 5%. The only thing that matched estimates, average hourly earnings up three-tenths. Now, uh, they say on a year-over-year basis, that pushes average hourly earnings up to 2.5%. Some numbers out of the uh, uh, lower levels of the report, we can uh, tell you that we had a net revision of negative 19,000. So the month of uh, February was revised lower. The month of March revised lower. And it looks like uh, at this point um, a disappointing jobs report. And with a revision in Mike McKee, 7,215 to 208 as we print out the report for yeah. Jim Glassman. Economic Indicators brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer RIA that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. We can note that the civilian labor force uh, fell by 362,000. It yeah. did not rise. So this yeah. was one of those increases in the unemployment rate that was not necessarily good. The U6 came in fractionally, as did the yields. We've seen a real market move here. The 10-year yield was a, uh, 1.74. We're into 1.7191 in a good almost three basis points on the 10-year. And Mike, critically, the two-year yield, 0.696, is in a solid two basis points. Mike, let me ask you, and I'll let you go to Jim Glassman, how June affecting is this report? Uh, it's going to affect market psychology about June. It won't affect the Fed as much because they don't have to make a decision for another month and a half, and they'll wait. But, Jim, this uh, certainly would suggest that there's not pressure on them to move. Yeah, right now, I mean, um, we got a couple months to go, and I think, the, to, to me, the most relevant, the most credible information we've been getting is coming from jobless claims, which has been holding very steady at low levels. So, you know, any one month in payrolls can be can be off base a little bit. But I think, you know, over time, we're going to see more reports like this because mm-hmm. we're going to see job growth slowing down because the labor market is in slightly better shape than it was, pay trends moving a little better. And so it may be difficult for the market to process that. But if if we're getting signals from the economy that we're getting there, um, then, you know, the question is, do you need rates at zero forever? Jim Glassman, thank you so much for coming in again. Mike, the mathematics, 160,000, 160 with a negative 19 revision this morning. And we welcome now Bloomberg Television Worldwide with Bloomberg Radio. Welcome to all of you. Michael McKee and Tom Keenan within the jobs report. Uh, today, uh, we have Jim Glasson with us, Willem Bowder with us before, Alan Kruger with us, and right now joining us, Bill Gross of Janus Capital. Mr. Gross, first of all, congratulations on the philanthropy of selling the Swiss stamp collection that you sold for gazillions of dollars. Why did you sell your stamp gazillions. collection? Yeah, why did you sell your gazillions stamp collection? Of Swiss francs. <laughs> well, I've been selling it for nine years. Uh, you know, once you fill in all the spaces, Tom, it's uh, time to let some of it go. And so 
I've been landing to go for charity for about uh, 20 to 25 million over the past nine years. Did you sell? Did you sell the stamp? Did you sell the stamp with the upside down airplane? You could see I'm a pro. Oh no, no. never, never sell the uh, inverted did, Jenny. Keep the inverted Jenny. Okay. <laughs> did you sell it because you felt that uh, the economy is slowing down enough? You needed to raise cash. What's your reaction to the jobs uh, numbers? We were talking with Jim Glassman, and the suggestion is that. Uh, yeah, the Fed doesn't have to decide now, but the market's going to decide June is out. Well, at the moment, for the last uh, three minutes, the market is deciding that June's out. And uh, I think much depends on the stock market. Uh, the Fed and other central banks, but the Fed especially as the global central banker, is uh, fixated on uh, stock prices and equity prices and risk spreads. And to the extent that uh, the stock market holds, I'm not so sure that uh, June is out. I mean, we, we've heard from Bullard. We've hold, heard from Stan Fisher. We've heard from uh, Williams in San Francisco. And they all seem to get it. They all seem to know that, you know, at some point they should be raising interest rates in order to preserve, you know, a semblance of profitability for savers and pension funds, insurance companies, and the like. Yeah, except you, in your most recent uh, economic letter to, to your uh, clients, suggest we're going to see QE4. So you don't seem convinced that the Fed should be raising rates or will be raising rates? Well, no, I, I think they should raise rates in order to give uh, savers a break at the bank and savers a break at their money markets. Um, but I think at the same time that the, the Fed probably has to support the market, that is the bond market, the long bond market via you know, quantitative easing. You know, this has to be a very slow, delicate process if they are going to raise rates and there can't be a lot of volatility. And so I think... You know, QE has to come back at some point, if only, you know, to provide funds for uh, fiscal spending. And there's the thrust. You know, when you talk about helicopter money and Milton Friedman and uh, Ben Bernanke and dropping cash from helicopters, what they're really talking about is fiscal spending and paying for it with quantitative easing. And that's right. uh, not easily done, but it's more easily done via the Fed as opposed to the private market. Yeah, we need to move, uh, mention the markets right here, right now. The two-year yield was uh, has moved dramatically in three basis points. That's a huge move, 0.6862 on the two-year. Michael McKee, I just put out on Twitter, and, and we'll put out for Bloomberg Radio Plus, that two-year chart is well over two standard deviations lower yield than the trend that the Fed has seen for a good 17, 18 months. Well, let's ask Bill. Uh, you do see these knee-jerk reactions in the markets when you have a, a surprising data point. Is 0.68% priced correctly for the two-year yield, or is it going to come back? Hmm. I don't think so. I mean, 0.68% is certainly at the low end of the range if, if you speak to the last 6 to 12 months. And if Fed funds does increase by uh, 25 basis points in June, then you're talking about a Fed funds level, a short-term rate higher than the two-year two note. And so I, I don't think it's appropriately priced. It is, of course, dependent upon what the Fed does. And uh, they suggest they're data dependent. If this is the data that they used to uh, support uh, a lack of a hike, then fine. Right. But we, we also have seen wages move up by 0.3%. And I think Yellen, more than jobs, is focused on 
wages and and at 2.5 percent they're moving right bill gross let me bring in here now the discussion of helicopter money that you wrote about so importantly for janice capital a few days ago we've had this discussion through the morning ben bernanke talked about reflation in japan over 10 years ago olivier blanchard talked about inflation at the imf over five or six years ago why is bill gross talking about reflation now why can't we reflate why is this so hard well, I think in Japan it's been difficult. We know their demographic situation is much more severe than anywhere else in the world aside from Taiwan. We don't have the same uh, aging problem, which leads to less and less demand going forward. And so, um, you know, Japan's uh, not a typical petri dish, but what I think is necessary here in the United States is, is fiscal spending. And, and to be fair, the Fed has talked about fiscal spending till they're blue in the face, not only Bernanke, but Janet Yellen as well, and, uh, uh, you know, respected economists such as Summers, et cetera, et cetera. I think we need to spend money. What we spend it on is the question how we elect our uh, president going forward is a question. But infrastructure, uh, health care, and to my way of thinking, um, you know, spending it on a universal basic income, which is probably five to ten years in the future, but in order to support an increasing jobless element in the U.S. society. We're seeing a reaction in the dollar to the numbers out today, the DXY index down now by a quarter of a percent at 93,556. The yen is uh, gaining, the euro uh, is gaining. Uh, are you concerned about the U.S. effect on the rest of the world, uh, the market's effect on the rest of the world, because the U.S. Uh, central bank hasn't done anything yet, but it does seem to be impacting everyone else's economy? Yeah, it does. And, and, and currencies are a big mover, Mike, because, uh, you know, they're part of a hedge fund portfolio and value at risk. And to the extent that, you know, hedge funds are on the wrong side or the right side of a significant movement in currency, then they adjust other metrics such as uh, bond duration or risk spreads or equity percentage holdings. And so once you get something moving in a highly levered market, you see significant moves in other aspects, even though, uh, you know, the jobs report seems to be, a, you know, a, a, a divergence from what was expected, but not a significant one. Bill Gross for this. Bill, let me squeeze in one more question here as well. How will you adjust your bond portfolio off of what we've observed today and off of the, the lethargy of the American economy we've seen in data over the last six months? Yeah, I think what a bond investor has to do is recognize that the Fed and other central banks will stay low for a long time. That doesn't mean that interest rates won't move by two standard deviations on a particular day for the two-year. But what it does mean is that, you know, uh, in investors and savers will be repressed and that interest rates will be low despite you okay. know, an increase by the central bank going well, forward. Let's come back. Bill Gross with us with Janice Capital this Jobs Day. This Jobs Day is market moving. Futures negative 10 from New York. Bloomberg surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance Sports Report brought to you by Land Rover Parsippany. The spring sales event happening now. Visit LandRoverParsippany.com. Land Rover above and beyond. The Mets lose. The Yankees lose. 
global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And good morning. I'm John Tucker. On this jobs day, it looks like disappointment to U.S. index futures extending their losses this morning. The S&P 500 trading at its lowest in more than three weeks. The jobs report showed employers in April adding the fewest number of workers in about seven months. Uh, Labor Department report showing American employers adding 160 workers uh, for the month of April. That actually trails the 200,000 job uh, that uh, economists estimated. Also lower than the revised 208 that was gained in March. The uh, jobless rate remaining at 5% compared with a 4.9% that was projected by economists surveyed by Bloomberg. Uh, investors scrutinizing the data as speculation over the timing of the next Federal Reserve interest rate uh, increase intensifies. Uh, while the Fed Bank chiefs of Atlanta and San Francisco signal this week the prospect of tighter policy next month, traders are pricing in just a 10% chance of a rate rise then. February 2017 is now the first month with at least even odds for a rate boost. S&P futures right now 12 points lower. We check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg. Tom and Mike. John Tucker, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, again, as John mentioned, futures negative 13. We welcome all of you. Bloomberg Radio Worldwide, Bloomberg Television Worldwide. John Farrell and uh, the team over at Bloomberg Go looking at uh, the, knock, uh, the knock-on effects of this jobs report. We're with Bill Gross of Janus Capital. Bill, I spoke last night at length with Steve Eisman of Newberger Berman. What a wonderful event over at Newberger Berman. Of course, he was in the big short played by Steve Carell. Uh, and, and he was adamant, as you are, Bill, about lower for longer, about this financial repression extending out. If bond prices go up, up, and up, and yields come down, HSBC is suggesting a 1.50% full faith and credit 10-year yield. How do you position yourself with a new realization of lower for longer? Well, it, it's not that complicated. And if you take the position, not 1.5% on the 10-year necessarily, but in a range between one and a half and two, which is something that I do for the next six to 12 months, then you know what you realize is that there's not much of a capital gain in a 10-year treasury or a capital loss, but there can be you know, a rather substantial yield if you position yourself in terms of selling that range. In other words, selling options, you know, uh, call options and put options, it can produce a return of 6 to 7% as opposed to 1.7% in the 10-year. It's a little complicated, but it's a key position and a key tenant for an investor that believes that savers will continue to be repressed, you know, for the next several years at least, and that if central banks maintain a relatively tight range in terms of yield that the way to earn money in the bond market is not by buying bonds and, you know, watching them go up a little and down a little, but by selling the volatility around it. You can earn three to four times as much in terms of actual yield by doing that. Is there risk in that? Of course. You know, if the 10-year went to 1% or if the 10-year went to 2.5%, then, you know, selling options for a 1% to 2 Month period of time is not a good strategy, but so far it's worked very well for Janus Unconstrained. Well, we're looking at um, the tips yields coming down quite a bit. I mean, tips now, a a 10 years, at nine basis points, and the spreads collapsed to 1.6% basically. Uh, bond market sees no inflation out there, even though today we printed 2.5% for year over year wages. 
Yeah, the bond market sees, uh, in terms of break-evens, Mike, about 1.6 or 1.65%, almost across the board. It, it is rather incredible. You know, the next year, the next two, the next five, 10, 30, you know, all about 1.6%, and that's markedly different, obviously, than what Janet Yellen and company want. Uh, it's different than what Japan wants. It expresses an inability to inflate going forward, and that's why... You know, I think at some point that uh, fiscal policy, uh, as evidenced by, you know, helicopter money, it, it's really a solution that the United States will come back to. Let, let me explain helicopter money for a second. What, what the U.S. has done in terms of its $4 trillion balance sheet, the prior QE, you know, basically the Fed owns $4 trillion worth of treasuries and mortgages. What they do is they take the interest, they give it right back to the government. And so, in effect, the Treasury is financing for free as long as this Ponzi scheme keeps going, and I think it will. And, and, and so, you know, it's, it's not a burden in terms of debt to the private market. It's a burden of debt in terms of the Fed, and the Fed and the Treasury are becoming conjoined in terms of, you know, uh, fiscal and monetary policy. That's something that the Fed doesn't like. They like their independence, but I think going forward, you know, they're just going to have to put up with it, this combination of fiscal and monetary policy that we see in Japan, well, and we're going to see more and more in the United States. You like it, but could that idea be sold to the bond market without a, a very volatile reaction? Well, I think so, as long as the Fed is moving short-term rates up a little bit, again, to uh, you know, provide a semblance of, of money for savers in, in the short-term portion of the yield curve. If you can buy you know, 10s and 30s you know, through the quantitative easing effect, you can contain basically the volatility going forward, and you can, if applied to fiscal policy, you, know, you can get the economy going again. One, one of the amazing things is, is that you know, since Nixon, we're all Keynesians now, and then Reagan, we're all supply-siders now, you know, basically supply-side remains the moving force in terms of you know, fiscal policy going forward. The fiscal policy needs to flip back and become Keynesian demand-side policy because it's the aggregate demand on a global basis that's lacking, and, and most governments haven't figured that out yet, and certainly their populations right. haven't figured it out. And, and you've been so good, Bill, about bringing it over to the real economy and, and economic speak, folks, the IS curve, and it really hasn't budged, and we've got a moldy economy. One of the outcomes of that has been negative interest rates. Bill Gross, what have you learned about the use and the efficacy of negative interest rates in the last couple of weeks? Challenges for small mid-German banks, challenges for Italian banking, three standard deviation move in euro dollar. How are negative rates going to play out? Well, they've been playing out, as you point out, not only in banking but in pension funds. We see... Obviously, situations in Puerto Rico and Detroit and potentially in Chicago, and we blame those on individual uh, excess right. in terms of spending. But basically, all savers and all pension funds in the United States and elsewhere are in a situation where if they can't earn 6 or 7%, and certainly if they can't earn a positive return on their bonds, then their pension funds become more and more unfunded, and they dig a deeper and deeper hole. So negative interest rates are not the way to go. They are proving to be a disaster and certainly not an elixir for uh, economies in, on a global basis. What will you look for then to pull us away from a negative interest rate policy prescription? What action are you, are you looking for where we say, okay, we're done with that model, we've got to move on to the next? <laughs> well, central banks should give up on uh, the Phillips curve. They should give up on the Taylor rule, uh, which posits a, uh, you know, a 2% uh, real rate of interest. Um, they should start moving t 
towards it as opposed to moving in the opposite direction. And at the same time, yes, in order to prevent a downdraft in equity markets and risk markets and long-term bond markets, they should support it via quantitative easing. You know, to me, uh, monetary policy has to reverse course, and fiscal policy certainly has to get off the dime. They have to start spending some money for jobs, for uh, for infrastructure, for health care. Uh, there's a... Uh, trillions of dollars worth of needs that aren't being met uh, because we're still in a supply side, you know, deficit cutting, you know, type of mode almost on a global basis. I have to ask you because you trade more bonds than anybody. Market tells us over and over again that a combination of Fed policy and new regulation means Treasury liquidity is much lower and it's difficult to trade. Treasury Department coming out with a new gauge today that's going to argue completely the opposite, that liquidity is within historical norms. They're taking a look at uh, trading volume, bid-ask spreads, market depth, and they say the market's got this wrong. How do you see it? Well, anybody who looks at a screen, uh, you know, every other second, and I've got six Bloomberg screens, you know, knows Thank differently. You. I mean, the, the, then you're welcome. The, the <laughs> long bond, uh, you know, moves one or two ticks, uh, you know, every other second. You can't sneeze without, uh, you know, seeing a liquidity break uh, in, in today's market. And so it, it's not just uh, treasuries, but obviously in corporates and high yield. Yeah, to the extent that uh, bond investors, whether they're uh, uh, other mm -hmm. central banks selling reserves or whether they're, um, uh, you know, right. funds on a global basis, uh, there's just not the liquidity to support it. Right. Bill Gross, one final question. Have you ever spoken to Mr. Trump about economics and finance? You know, I spoke with Mr. Trump at a Duke basketball game about 10 years ago, and we were talking about Carolina versus Duke, but nothing about uh, economics. Okay. I hope to engage at some point in the future. Well, we'd like to see that. Bill Gross, thank you so much. Uh, I think a shout-out there to the Trump people. Maybe give Bill Gross a call at Janus Capital. Well, important. maybe Bill Gross might learn something, uh, too. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Uh, but we do make note, as we did at the beginning of the conversation, Mr. Gross is, without question, the world stamp collector and he's been partitioning off, as he's mentioned, uh, his uh, efforts in stamp collecting for the good he of did, He did foundations. give all that money to charity, we should point yeah, out. Yeah, much of it to the that's, PIMCO Foundation, which, of course, he important. and uh, Sue and others founded uh, for Pacific Investment Management Company. Mr. Gross is with Janus Capital. Uh, yields move, shocking off a jobless report with a negative revision, 160 less a negative 19. I think that takes me down to 149,000 is a round number. But we've come back a little bit. The yield from a 0 0.69 to 0.71 on the two-year, the the 10-year yield at a 170 goes back to 173. So a calmness off of the shock and awe of 830 this morning. Michael McKee and Tom Key, we continue the Jobs Day discussion. Hope you stay with us. Another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance.